Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome to the Nutrition Awareness Podcast, co-hosted by yours truly, Kate Richardson and Megan Pachecki. We're two registered dietitians here to make your life easier by debunking diet myths, sharing scientific information about nutrition, and keeping you motivated to reach your goals. We want to teach you everything we know by giving you real life examples of how we've helped our combined thousands of clients transform their lives, lose weight, and get healthy without having to go on another cookie cutter diet. On this podcast, we'll be giving you our best advice, strategies, and mindset shifts so you too can reach your goals using food and most importantly, enjoy the process. If you've been on social media and you're interested in health, diet, nutrition, There's no doubt in my mind that your algorithm has fed you tons of different videos with wellness influencers, fitness influencers, maybe even dietitians or self-proclaimed nutritionists giving you advice. And when there is a trend on social media, it seems like all the influencers just jump on a bandwagon and the trend blows up. And some of these trends could be helpful and some of them are just garbage. And we're gonna talk about that today. But before we get into it, I want to introduce a special, but probably going to be a reoccurring guest on the Nutrition Awareness Podcast. She is officially a registered dietitian and the newest team member at Nutrition Awareness. This is Serena. Hi, everyone. Thanks for having me on, Kate. Yes. So this was your idea. So you and I bond because we like Reddit, we like TikTok, (laughs) we like Instagram, and we like to look at these influencers and snark at the things they say. Yes. Definitely. It's kind of astonishing how much information is out there and how much of our work revolves around debunking these trends and teaching people what the actual correct evidence-based, science-based recommendations are. Yeah, absolutely. So we're going to do that for you guys today. We're going to list through some of the more popular trends that we see. Talk about if there's some merit to them, because some of them, while they may not be as amazing as your favorite influencer claims them to be, some of them aren't harmful. Other ones are a waste of money and we just want you to know that. And at the end, we might talk about some of the trends we like, uh, ones that we would actually encourage, but I'll tell you from the beginning, they're few and far between. (laughs) For sure. I'm gonna let Serena tell you the first one. Okay, so we are starting off with having hot water with lemon specifically first thing in the morning. I see this everywhere every what i eat in a day has hot water with lemon and it claims to quote unquote detox the body so when i'm thinking about what i'm going to start my day with it's always water but it's never hot water with lemon 
ever. I don't detox my body by drinking water. I recognize that I've had eight hours or more without water, so it's the first thing I do in the morning. This trend seems aesthetic. Maybe it tastes great. If you genuinely enjoy the water with lemon, for sure, go ahead and have it. If you don't want to go to the store and buy a lemon and juice a lemon in the morning, there's no need to do that. Just make sure you're hydrating first thing in the morning or at least with breakfast and you're good to go for the day. Yeah, if you love hot water with lemon, it's not hurtful. And it might put you in a mood, like a wellnessy mood. Mm-hmm. And I think there's something to that kind of like walking in the morning or exercise in the morning. It puts you in a different headspace, but it's not this magical, amazing, necessary thing. You can just drink water at any temperature you want with lemon or no lemon. I hate lemon water. I think it's gross. Me too. And I think I've talked about this. This is a little embarrassing. Maybe other Florida people know this, but when I touch lemons and go in the sun, I get something called a margarita burn. Yeah. Have you heard of that? Yes. Okay, if you haven't heard about it, and I know I've talked about it on some episode before, when the citric acid from lemons or limes touch my skin with the sun, I get these like burn, itchy, awful things on my hands that take forever to go away. So I'm not touching a lemon unless I have to, let alone every day. So that's just me. I'm not drinking any lemon water. So is lemon water good? Sure. Is it amazing? Is it a cure-all? Nope. Gets a thumbs down from us. I'm surprised people are still talking about lemon water. That was so like 2021. It was. I think there is something about it that feels very wellnessy and very... I'm doing something good for my body, but I like my Stanley Cup, and I like it way more than hot water with lemon. There's a trend we can get behind. Yeah. A big bottle of water that's fun to drink out of, whatever stays you hydrate, keeps you hydrated. Exactly. And you don't need to put lemons in it. It doesn't detoxify you. That's what your kidneys are for. It's funny because you know what you're saying? It is like when you watch those videos, all those wellness videos of like my five to nine before my nine to five, Mm -hmm. or... A well, spend a wellness day with me. They always have the same voice. They're like, I woke up and I squeezed some fresh lemon <laughs> into my water. Yeah, it's all the same. So we'll move past that one and move to the next one, which is kind of similar. Greens powders. Definitely a huge one right now. I think pretty much every influencer is sponsored by Athletic Greens. Or Bloom. Or Bloom. Or anything that they say really helps them start their day on the right foot and they're getting in all their vitamins. Sure. That might be true. But when I see Athletic Greens, I think you are a very expensive multivitamin. Bingo. Yep. Yep. You don't need to drink something green that doesn't taste good. No offense, Athletic Greens. It does not taste good. And to get your multivitamin in for the day. Eat some whole foods. Have some variety in your diet. Maybe take a multivitamin if that's what you want to do. Cover your bases. You do not need to spend $100 on Athletic Greens. No, they're disgusting. You know what I love is when I've been following somebody online for a while and they might make videos about what they do in a day. And I like them. I like their content. And then out of nowhere, they start saying that they start every morning with AG1. I'm like, since when? Since when? I've been following you for six months and you've never drank a greens powder and now you have a code and you say you've always done it. It's a money grab. It's a money grab. And I don't want to blame influencers for wanting to make money from their work, but I'm going to do it anyway because it's a little unethical if you're stretching the truth. If you genuinely love Athletic Greens, if it cured all your bloat problems, Mm -hmm. more power to you. That's amazing. But I don't buy it for 95% of the people that I see consuming it. Nope. So conclusion, 
do not go out and buy Athletic Greens because your favorite influencer is having it. If you're concerned about vitamin and mineral deficiencies, it's a lot more strategic and worth your money to supplement with individual vitamins and minerals. Usually with clients, I have everybody on a vitamin D most days, a fish oil, especially if they're not consuming enough. So that's omega-3 fatty acids, which we'll probably cover again later in this episode. And then we make some specific, uh, you know, recommendations and not everyone's going to need a bunch of different supplements. Right. It's, it takes away the individuality of nutrition. And first of all, we don't even know what's in these powders. I think that's what you were alluding to. They're not regulated by the FDA. They say all these things. The dosage might not be the dosage that you were expecting. And it's just not a good way to control what's going into your body. So mm-hmm. yeah, definitely on the individual train as well. Cool. What's the next one? This one you're passionate about. Oh, this one I'm very passionate about. And after becoming registered dietitian, I think I see things differently. And when I see the word toxic associated with food, it makes me angry. It makes me sad. It makes me upset. And it really ignites a fire in me that seed oil specifically, and if you follow influencers, you have seen this trend, that seed oils are, quote, toxic. So let's step back for a minute. I think when the word toxic is used with a food, it completely takes away the many, many things that food is doing for us. It labels foods as good or bad, not taking into account the other variables, such as connection and pleasure and love and making memories with people around the dining table. All of that just gets stripped away by a label. Mm -hmm. That is what I have the biggest problem with. Secondly, seed oils, specifically we're talking canola, uh, vegetable oils, rapeseed oil, grapeseed oil, all of those types of things are found in many, many, many foods. And we mean many foods. Many foods. Anytime you eat out at Chipotle. You're eating a seed oil. Probably when you go to Fresh Kitchen and Bole. You're eating a seed oil. So if you're not using them in your own cooking, someone else is using them in their cooking. Now, I think these seed oils get a bad rap because they are in a lot of processed foods. Yeah. Fair enough. They are in Cheetos. They are in Doritos. If you think ultra processed, there's probably a seed oil in it. However, there are also seed oils in other foods, like other processed foods that are not, quote, bad for you. Now, I don't know what you tell your clients, but I've had a lot of clients come in and say, I'm scared of seed oils. Yeah. Seed oils make me inflamed. Mm. That's a big one. What would you say to somebody who says that to you? I would say maybe let's explore it. Because when it comes to inflammation, it's easy to find one food or food group and target it and blame it because that's just how our human brain works. It wants to find a solution for a problem. So if someone's telling me they're inflamed, we're going to go through their whole diet. And if I do see their diet is rich in processed foods and low in anti-inflammatory foods that are richer in antioxidants, fiber, and omega-3 fatty acids, then I say, yeah, we want to replace a lot of these processed foods that happen to contain seed oils with foods that will help you feel better. And that's the key. That's the key take home I have with my clients and seed oils. They're right. Seed oils aren't doing a whole lot for you, but they're not toxic. Let's replace some of those things when we can with omega-3 fatty acids. And that might mean taking a supplement or replacing foods that don't contain omega-3 fatty acids with fiber-rich foods or healthier fats. 
Because what I understand is the ratio of omega-6 fatty acids, which is what's found in seed oils, is much higher than omega-3 fatty acids in the average American diet. And we want them to be closer to equal. So we need to maybe decrease omega-6 and increase something else. It doesn't mean we are never gonna have omega-6 or seed oils again, because that's just not possible. And I don't think that is mentally healthy. It's not realistic for a lot of people. No. I mean, I go to Chipotle. Yeah. You go to Chipotle. I love Chipotle. And I wouldn't stop going there because they use seed oils. Right. I would never walk in somewhere and ask what type of oil they use. And yeah, that's just not happening in our neck of the woods. We're in Orlando. Maybe it's happening in LA, but it's not happening here. It is not something I would ever do. You know, Megan and I were chatting about it and she made a great point. She said, seed oils are like the new sugar. Remember when everyone was, sugar's toxic, sugar's this. Yeah, sugar isn't doing much for you from a purely physical health perspective, but we would never tell someone not to eat sugar. We would never ourselves not eat sugar. Again, it's not realistic. It's not realistic, and it doesn't make a big difference if the sugar in your diet is relatively low compared to all the other things. So let's use Chipotle as an example. When they're cooking with canola oil, we'll just say it's canola oil, maybe it's not. If you're getting a Chipotle pole that has brown rice, it's got black beans, it's got chicken and veggies, you're getting a lot of nutrition from that bowl and that benefit, that fiber, that protein, those vitamins, to me, they outweigh any potential inflammatory inflammatory effect of omega-6s or seed oils. Totally agree. Now, if you're going and you're having chips dipped in queso and then you go home and you have a bag of, I don't know, M&Ms and then for dinner you have some kind of stir fry that's cooked in vegetable oils. and Okay, then yeah, we have room for improvement there. And we can replace some of those ingredients to do your body good. Yeah. Again, it circles back to this whole, you know, overarching theme that seed oils are inflammatory and food has, you know, we need to recognize that food has more to give us than just its nutrient content and that it's about the diet as a whole. Mm -hmm. It's not about one food or a few specific foods that might have seed oils in them. Right, exactly. So all in all, are we pro seed oil? Are we gonna tell you to consume more of them? No. Are we anti seed oil and tell you to never consume them? Also no. We want you to look at your diet as a whole and we can help you do that. So if you don't know where to start, you feel overwhelmed, you want us to look at your diet, help you pinpoint sources of foods to eat more of, and then help you find foods to replace with things that are going to benefit you and get you closer to your goals. That's what we do you can book an appointment with Serena or I on nutritionawareness.com. As always, that is going to be linked in the show notes. Let's talk about my favorite one. Let's talk about oatmeal. Can we talk about that one next? We can talk about oatmeal. This is the one, out of all of these influencer trends that are coming up, this is the one I'm getting the most personally, especially in the past couple months. It's been blowing my mind that oatmeal is bad for you. Yeah, it's this new thing that, you know, like you said, sugar, seed oils, oatmeal, what's next? We don't know. But let's talk about oatmeal. Let's really break it down into what is oatmeal and what is it doing for us? Okay, let's start with what it is. Oatmeal is a grain, right? And they're going to be grain. Like all grains, some are ultra processed and some are minimally processed. And so you can buy oats that are minimally processed. Therefore, they contain a lot of fiber. And what does fiber do? It acts as like a little shovel in your gut and it helps keep you regular. It keeps you fuller for longer. It stabilizes your blood sugar. It comes with carbohydrates, which gives you energy. That's it. That's it. That's what oatmeal is. And 
there are, you know, a couple different types of oatmeal. You have the instant microwavable oatmeal. I normally tend to steer clients away from that only because I would rather someone make the oatmeal on the stove, add what they actually like to it. If you're not a brown sugar type of person, don't put it in your oatmeal. If you'd rather have honey, perfect. Mm -hmm. So I think that it's such a versatile food because everybody can like oatmeal, right? Peanut butter oatmeal. I love peanut butter oatmeal. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I want to put chocolate in it. Mm -hmm. Oatmeal is not bad for you. It, it has so many nutrients that are really a great start to the day. And I, I don't understand this new trend. Oh, I know what it is. Okay, do you remember how, I mean, I think bread still has this sometimes, but when bread swept the nation as being like the demon food. Yeah. Oatmeal is the same thing as bread in like a different form, a slightly different nutrition panel. People are going to find something to demonize and then it blows up. Yeah. My favorite part about oatmeal is it's just like a vessel for, you said, healthy ingredients. So if you're buying ultra-processed oatmeal that has added refined sugar in it, yeah, of course, that's not the best choice. We don't want to be consuming that regularly. If you're doing what Serena said and you're cooking old-fashioned oats or steel-cut oats and you're adding fiber from fruit and you're adding protein, maybe you're making overnight oats or adding peanut butter in there, you're making a really well-balanced choice. My favorite thing is I've had this conversation with a lot of teen athletes, professional, world champion, ultra marathon athletes. If you ask them what they eat before they win their championship, they're almost always going to say oatmeal. Yeah. I mean, athletes eat oatmeal. People who are moving and exercising can eat oatmeal. Even if you're sedentary that day, you can eat oatmeal. You just might want to look at the context of that meal and pair your oatmeal with protein and fruit and healthy fats instead of orange juice and, you know, refined toast. Yeah, and maybe don't have oatmeal for lunch and dinner. Maybe have it for breakfast. Boom. Easy. We're pro-oatmeal in this house. I love oatmeal. Go oats. I had oatmeal yesterday. I love oatmeal. Being pregnant, that was one of the weird cravings I had. I was like, I need oatmeal. It's a healthy craving. And Actually, you make it whenever you want. You know where it came from? It was before you knew I was pregnant. You came in the office one day and you we were all sitting in the waiting room just chatting and you had brought out oatmeal with like just berries on it. It wasn't groundbreaking, but I was watching you eat that and I was like, I need that. <laughs> I need to go buy berries and oatmeal because that's what I want. Whenever I'm here early, I always make overnight oats yeah. because it doesn't make noise in the morning and... I just put berries in it and protein powder and peanut butter. What kind of protein powder do you use? I use Orgain. Okay, love it. Orgain peanut butter. That's another question we get all the time. Is protein powder is good? Again, depends on the protein powder. Orgain is one of the ones I push people towards. Me too. I love it. I love the ingredients and I think it's a great protein. It keeps me full. It does its job. Their plant protein in overnight oats makes the best texture. Mm -hmm. I love it. It's like a cake. Yeah, it's not chalky and greeny like Mm. other ones. We've tried them all. We've tried them all. I like Orgain the best. Go Orgain. I'm a loyal fan. Yeah, one of my top favorites. All right, let's move on to another one. Which one do you want to talk about next? Let's do not eating after a specific time. Right. So it's a, it's kind of like intermittent fasting, except it's intermittent fasting. What are we saying? It is. But it's, I think, comes from more of a restrictive lens. Yeah. I've had this a lot recently in the past couple of weeks. It might have to do with the holidays coming up. Might not. I'm mm-hmm. not really sure. But... A lot of clients have said, well, you know, I need to be done eating by seven o'clock or six or eight or nine. Completely arbitrary number. And when I ask them, you know, where'd you see that or why, why might that be? They say that, oh, well, they saw it online somewhere Mm. or they saw an influencer post about it or that's, you know, the right time to stop eating for your health. 
And the second follow-up question I ask is, well, are you hungry? Yeah. And sometimes they say yes, but I can't eat after that time. So this one, this is a big one. I think it had its moment like a couple months ago and it, I guess, is seeping back in. But to me, being well is not putting restrictive labels on yourself. That is not wellness. That is not health. If you feel like you sleep better, you you know, your body feels better eating by seven o'clock, right? That's fine. But if you're telling me that you're not going to dinner with your friends or your family because it's at eight o'clock. That's psycho. And you can't stop eating at beyond, you know, you, you have to stop at seven. We have to do a lot more work there. We need to understand where it's coming from. There's really no evidence of this arbitrary time beyond not eating too close to bedtime for digestive purposes so you can get a good night's rest. 7 p.m., I don't know. Sounds kind of made up to me. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I think people find somebody who says, like online, they're like, me personally, I stop eating at 7 p.m. And I can see how it can be helpful for some people. I have like a split idea on this. And I think it depends on the person that comes in. If somebody's coming in and telling me they stop eating at 7 p.m. because it just helps them make better choices, it makes sure that they eat enough at dinner so they're not hungry before bed because normally if they're eating after seven, it's junk food, it's ice cream, it's desserts. And by thinking about 7 p.m., it helps them ensure they're eating enough during the day. Other people might come in and they are really strict and they're really anxious about eating after 7 p.m. And I'm like, why? What's going on here? Is it because you're actually hungry? And if you're actually hungry, how can we resolve that so you're not uncomfortably hungry after 7? For me personally, I don't like being hungry at night. I don't like being hungry before bed because it's just uncomfortable. And I know I'm just going to have... Right. I'd rather have something more substantial and I'm doing that during the day. So if I'm constantly hungry after dinner... That means something's got to give in my day to help me not feel so hungry. If somebody's got a schedule that makes them have to eat later, and this happens a lot, especially people who work later and then they go to the gym and then they come home and they've got kids and they're eating at 8 p.m., I don't want them to feel guilty about that either. It's not going to change their trajectory of their, let's just say, weight loss journey if they have to eat at 8, but somebody online is saying they have to eat at 6. It's the total amount of food and what you're eating throughout the day. Definitely. There are clients I have who like to have a little bit of a boundary around when they eat and that works for them. And I think that's cool, but only if it genuinely works for them and they're doing it for them and not because they think they have to, to get results. Not because someone online told them that they have to, to in order to be healthy or lose weight or gain muscle, etc. I think that's the core of a lot of this is sure, maybe a well-meaning person who's sharing their wellness routine is thrilled about how not eating after 7 p.m. impacted their digestion, their sleep, their health, their weight, whatever. And that's and, they, and they're putting that out there well-meaning. 
Then somebody who maybe hasn't spent a lot of time really soul searching, reflecting on food, reflecting how their body feels, just takes that information as truth and applies it to their life without really understanding how that rule or boundary or whatever it is impacts them. So this is a problem because let's say that they're trying not to eat after 7 p.m., but they're hungry and then they feel guilty and bad about being hungry and then they push off their hunger and then binge or make a poor decision. Then that's a negative trend that's not good for them and maybe somebody else finds it's great so if you're going to put a restriction or boundary or rule on when you stop eating on the average day you have to really think about you as a whole how does this impact your life i like that you brought up some people just won't go out to dinner because it's after that time that reminds me of intermittent fasting when people wouldn't go out to breakfast because it was in their eating window and if you're the kind of person who has that opportunity come up a lot to go out to eat no matter what time of day, if that infringes on your fasting window, that might not be the best approach to for you if it's keeping you from spending time with your friends and family. I'd rather us work on how to choose how to eat healthy when dining out instead of not dining out during a certain time. Yeah, I, I don't think I would ever, I, I know that I would never put a restriction on somebody unless they brought it up themselves. Right. Unless like what you were saying, maybe they feel more comfortable eating dinner at seven. Maybe they have kids and that's when the kids are hungry and, you know, they have to cook for a whole family. There could be a whole host of reasons why maybe seven or six or eight is the right time. I mean, Mm -hmm. I eat dinner at eight o'clock because it works for me. I grew up doing that. Sometimes, you know, I'm hungry. Okay, I'll have a snack before or a snack after. But it's all about what works for you. That's why Mm -hmm. nutrition is so personalized. It's so individual. And that's, I think, really at the core of all of this as well. That reminds me, try telling somebody who comes from Latin America to not eat before 8 p.m. That just doesn't happen. If you're unfamiliar, um, a lot of our clients from Latin America are just used to eating a really light breakfast later in the day, a big meal for lunch, and then a smaller, lighter meal somewhere between 8 and 10 p.m. on the average day, and that's just part of their culture. So I would never tell somebody whose culture is to eat later, and that works for them to eat earlier. Yeah, my family's Italian, and I grew up every single day, dinner was at 8 o'clock. If Mm -hmm. we go to Italy, it's more like 9 or 10. Yeah. And lunch is big. You know, breakfast is like a croissant or some fruit. Lunch is big. Dinner is big. Yeah. And it's because these meals are about making connection and not so much about, okay, when are we going to stop eating? Yeah. It's like, let's enjoy the food. Let's eat when we can eat. Go to bed with a full belly. Wake up and do the same thing the next day. Yeah, that's so nice. And then, yeah, a lot of those countries don't have a weight problem. There's a lot of reasons why, but... I sometimes wish I lived in Europe just to eat like that, and it's normal. I'm from the Midwest, and I get hungry. I started to feel hungry between 5.30 and 6, and so when I was growing up, dinner was at 6. Yeah. And whenever I have to eat later, I get, like, crabby. But that's just me. So our view on not eating after a certain time, it's not Bible. It's not law. You don't have to do that. You have to look at your own pattern of eating. I will say if you find yourself snacking a lot into the night – then we do want to put more food into your day and then have a time to watch yourself and maybe say, ah, okay, if I'm still hungry after seven, I should go back and eat more. Yeah. That's what I would do. Yep. Working backwards, I think, from that set time or from dinner or from whatever with, you know, your own body signals, I think will really set you up for success. We have one other one that we hate and then we'll breeze through a couple that we like. Um, Gluten-free, dairy-free for health when you're not celiac 
Very important. We understand and we definitely, definitely abide by celiac and lactose intolerance and the dietary recommendations and the necessities that come with that. However, I see this primarily in the LA space and a lot of the influencers I see online are gluten-free, dairy-free by choice, but the underlying message there is that it's for health reasons. Yeah. And, you know, this kind of goes in line with veganism and vegetarianism for health reasons, not so much for ethical reasons or personal reasons or cultural reasons. It's so that they, these people, influencers, whoever, know that they cannot eat these foods because they've labeled themselves as gluten-free, dairy-free for whatever reason. I know the reason. (laughs) What's the reason? It's two reasons. One... They're assuming it's inflammatory and they're and they're just restricting that, whatever. But the biggest reason is because it's a more um, digestible way to restrict foods without getting like a lot of judgment. Because I feel that way when people say, oh, I don't eat gluten, I don't eat dairy, but they don't have an intolerance. And then they like let themselves eat those foods sometimes. In secret. Really right. At home. Or people they trust, you know, and they're like, oh, let it slide this time. It's because you're trying to lose weight by restricting a whole entire food group. And I feel that way with people say, like, I'm bloated. So they'll say, like, dairy makes me bloat. You're saying, not you, everyone. Not everyone is saying this. I'm acknowledging it. I can read through the lines with some of my clients, and we get to that point where they're saying, I'm afraid dairy's making me fat. I'm afraid dairy's making me gain weight. So they say, dairy makes me bloat. And maybe it does. Maybe it does. But maybe is it, it bloating as in normal human body functioning that you're feeling full after you have something with gluten and dairy or is there an underlying message there that's so huge after you eat your body is going to naturally expand your stomach expands yes in order to fit all of the food in and and then your digestive system will take care of the rest boom it's easy if you eat dairy and you immediately fart or poop your pants or you have pain then you may have an intolerance i find when people have lactose intolerance they can tolerate things like thick Greek yogurt that has a lower concentration of lactose than milk, which has a high concentration of lactose, or ice cream. So you may have a sensitivity to those foods that cause a reaction. If you do not have a reaction, good news, you probably don't have a lactose intolerance. With gluten, the reaction is usually going to show up maybe as hives on your skin, or you have pain. But when you're eating foods that contain carbs, they hold on to water doesn't matter if it's a potato or if it's bread. Your body holds on to a little extra water. That's okay. So you might feel a little bit more, I don't know, bloated, puffy, but it doesn't actually mean that you're gaining weight or you have an intolerance. People with celiac disease immediately have a response. It is hard to live with. You don't want to have a gluten intolerance because it is miserable when you consume gluten. Yeah. If you want to cut back on foods that have dairy and wheat because you find that they take up a lot of your diet and they don't leave room for nutrient-rich, other nutrient-rich foods, okay, sure, but I don't think the restrictive approach is the way to go unless it's medically necessary. I don't know about you, but like when I restrict something, I overeat it later. For sure. I mean, that's just natural, you know, human behavior is if I want a cupcake or a cookie and I keep telling myself no... When that is in front of me, I will eat probably two, three, ten times the amount yes. that I normally would have. And I'll choose the ones I don't even like. Right. Like just because I, they're there. Just because they're there. Like, if I can't eat bread, it doesn't matter if it's a stale dinner roll, it's going to call to me. 
But when I can eat bread, I'm gonna choose the yummiest, fresh, homemade bread. I'm gonna enjoy it in a healthy moderation. So that's our call on that. Let's talk about the couple things. We'll do some honorable mentions of some influencer trends we don't hate and actually like. I was thinking about this list and it, it was hard to come up with some. <laughs> it is really hard. It is because, you know, I think that at our core, we want individuals to eat whole foods, healthy foods that fit with their lifestyle. So these influencers, they're not you. Yeah. Right? They don't know what you need for your specific body, but there definitely are a few that we're not mad about. Okay, I'm going to say the first one I think is a little controversial because I can love and hate this one. It's a it's a medium for me. It's the what I eat in a day videos. Yes. I, when I see some, maybe this is my bias. <laughs> when I see someone eating healthy, balanced meals, and maybe it's a person who lives in a smaller body and eats a lot of food, I like that. I'm like, okay, you're breaking a, a, a you know, some people think that people in small bodies, thin people, whatever you want to say, don't eat a lot. It's nice to see maybe somebody really active and healthy eating a lot. That's, I think that's healthy. I didn't see that a lot growing up. On the flip side, when people take these videos of what someone eats in a day and compares it to how they're eating and then they feel bad about how they're eating or feel like they have to change everything, that's when it can get into murky territory. When you look at someone's what I eat in a day and you can admire what they're eating, you can draw inspiration from meals, you can get ideas, you can see that it's easy to prepare. Maybe someone with a busy schedule, what they're bringing, that's great. Uh, it's when we get into comparisonitis that it can... Yeah, I, I don't love the what I eat in a day is that show, you know, the flat stomach in the morning. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Those immediately, if I see that, scroll next. Wait, you know what I do like, though? I do like if they show their stomach in the morning and then they show the natural progression of their body throughout the day. That's very... I don't see this often. I've only seen it a handful of times. Mm -hmm. That goes back to what we were saying earlier, where your body's naturally going to get bigger throughout the day. Your stomach distends to fit food drink, and, and, and drinks and air. Um, so that's kind of unique. I like that. Yeah, that one gets a go for me. I'll, I'll watch that. But I don't see it very much. No, I don't think that the point of these is to show that normally. <laughs> I think it's, here's what I eat in a day. I'm hot. And exactly, like I'm healthy and I'm well. And I think that, it really gets into murky territory when someone adapts that and immediately changes their entire diet to copy someone else. Yeah. And I've had clients say this to me and my response is always the quote, everybody's body is different. Yeah. You and me could do the exact same thing, work right. out the exact same way, eat the same, drink the same, and we would still look different. Weeks, months, years, we would look completely different because of our genetics, right. because of our environment. Right. And that is what you don't see in what the what I eat in a day. Because you can't. You can't show that. You can't. You can't. You're not a fly on the wall. And I have noticed recently, though, if someone's what I eat in a day is dangerously low calorie, dangerously low, as in you just know, you know, the human, even if we're not trained in nutrition and, and you just know it's dangerously low, I always go to the comments. And more recently, I have seen an uptick in comments saying, this is not enough food. Yeah. This good. is not enough. This is not what someone should be eating. You're not fueling your body. So that kind of makes me feel like I have hope yeah. for humanity. Just a little bit. We're eating. Yep. We're, we're eating. eating. We're, we're fueling our bodies. <laughs> it's great. So those are our, our neutral. We're neutral on those. Neutral on Depends that. on Depends on the creator. The one I do like, and this isn't even a diet trend. That's how lame diet trends are online. They all suck. Uh, but is the emphasis on 
how low impact exercise is is healthy if not healthier than doing excessive amounts of high impact hit training heavyweight training it's just nice to see our uh, vocabulary i guess you could say of what a good workout means be expanded so that people don't feel the pressure to join orange theory for five days a week or hit the gym and lift heavy weights five days a week they can do other things and it's still movement it's still exercise this one gets a love from me a positive yes a check mark anything i love this movement because it takes away the need for individuals to go to the gym and feel like they need to be sweating breathing heavy panting can't walk up the stairs can't sit on the toilet in order to feel like they had a good workout For me, honestly, sometimes I just wash my hair. You know, I wash it the night before. Literally. It takes a lot. We both have a lot of hair, thick hair. I really don't want to go to the gym the next day and ruin it. My hair and nail health improves so much when I cut back on heavy lifting. I still lift, but not as often because I don't have to wash my hair as much and my nails aren't breaking from touching weights. Yes, yes. And I love this morning I went on a walk and it was beautiful. Yeah. And that's how I'm moving my body today. Beautiful. And that's all you need to do. That's all you need. And I went to the gym yesterday. Maybe we'll throw in some yoga. Whatever, but I love, I love this transition. I love this transition too because a lot of these workouts, you can change the intensity to get your heart rate up so you're still going to get cardiovascular benefits. You can still get strength training benefits depending on what you're doing and how you want to do it. I also like this because, I've, and I'm going to talk about weight loss here from a weight loss perspective. I have a lot of women clients come in especially who are doing a lot of high-intensity workouts and they gain weight or don't change. And one of the reasons is because these appetites, I mean appetites, these exercises uh, might crank up their appetite big time so they feel hungry and then it's harder for them to portion control, listen to their body. Uh, they're just overeating because their appetite's so jacked up. Or there might be some kind of inflammatory response or hormonal imbalance uh, that they'd have to get tested. But I do see when people maybe cut that back by 50% and replace it with walking, they have more control over their appetites and just feel better. Yeah. I remember when I used to lift heavy like five or six times a week, I was constantly hungry. Like in between clients, I'd be like scarping snacks like a little like rat in the back of a restaurant. <laughs> and like it was insatiably just, hungry. It's annoying. And then yep. there are people who want to build a very strong physique and they have to eat a lot of a certain food to get there and that's great too. So it might be for some people, but if you feel bad because you're not running marathons or lifting or doing F45, don't sweat it. You can do other things. Yeah. I tell my clients, the workout that you're going to do is the one that you love to do. And if that's walking or yoga or Pilates or having lifting, lifting heavy in the gym or going to an Orange Theory class... That's great. Yeah. But do not, like we said this whole podcast, do not switch up your routine because it it's what, you know, people are showing what you should be doing right. instead of what you know works best for your body. I love a little bit of a blend. I love a blend of a couple workouts that challenge you. They don't have to make you want to die. You mm-hmm. don't have to, like, like you said, walk out of there and want to throw up. But a little bit of challenge is good. There's a threshold for when that challenge becomes, like, painful. And then the other days, it doesn't have to be a challenge. It can be more active recovery, mental health, movement, blood flow, function. So a nice blend seems to be a sweet spot for most of my clients. And we can kind of tailor what that blend looks like. Yeah, that's what I do. That's what you do too. Sweet. 
Cool. That's what Grits does. He's my little dog sitting here next <laughs> to me. He's an Aussie, so he needs lots of movement, and sometimes he gets to sprint, and sometimes we just walk. That's such a good way great. to get movement in. Oh, get a dog. Get a dog. <laughs> Step one. We walk everywhere. So these were all of our influencer trends. You know, we love to, we, we try our best to stay on top of these things. If you ever find an influencer trend on Instagram or TikTok that you don't know is accurate or not, you can send it to us. So we are on Instagram at nutrition.awareness. Send it to us in the DMs. We'll debunk it or validate it for you. Mm -hmm. Um, And if you want to work with one of us, we can chat with you about anything and everything nutrition related. Again, our contact information is in the show notes. Nutritionalawareness.com is where you can book an appointment, learn more about us, email us, contact us, whatever you want to do, we're there. So, Serena, I think you did great on your first podcast. Thanks, Kate. We will be back for sure. I can't wait. And if you guys have topic ideas, we'd love to hear them. Thank you. Send them in. Thanks, guys. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Nutrition Awareness Podcast. And if you did find it helpful and want to share it with the whole world, screenshot this episode and tag us on Instagram in your stories at nutrition.awareness so we can connect with you. To get notified about the next episode of Nutrition Awareness, be sure to hit subscribe so you never miss an episode. And to create your own personalized nutrition plan with us, be sure to schedule your virtual or in-person consultation on our website, www.orlandodietitian.com. Now get out there, fuel up, and live your healthiest life. We'll see you on the next episode.